Hey there! I'm really glad that you've come to check out the KZMC Weekly Teaching. My name is Ryan Yancey and I'm the lead pastor. KZMC gathers together for worship every Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. in person. You can also join us by our live stream available on YouTube. If you're from the area and you're not already connected to a church, we'd love to have you come join us. You can find the full details at kzmc.ca. It's my hope and it's my prayer that God will speak to you through this teaching. May you have a marvelous day. I've had a heavy heart this week. And uh, no, it's not just because the Leafs lost miserably, although that, that uh, Brittany will attest that I was a little bit grumpier on Monday leading up to the game and Tuesday after. Um, but uh, that's meaningless, really. Um, yeah, I've just had a heavy heart as I've reflected on the realities and the national conversation stemming from the discovery of the unmarked grave of 215 Indigenous children who had been students at the Kamloops Residential School. And uh, it's hard, you feel it, I think. And it's hard to know exactly what to say or, or what not, because on one sense, it's a story that seems really distant from my day-to-day -day lived reality. And on the other hand, it's something that connects very closely with, with who we are, with who I am, with our story of settler Canadians. Um, so yeah, I've, I've had a heavy heart as I've mulled that over and I've, you know, read, read up some pieces on this. One of the things, you know, over the last number of years, myself and, and through the leader of leadership of Jenny Yotzi has led our congregation, myself and the congregation, we've kind of leaned into this, you know, a number of us took part in the blanket exercise a couple of years back. We've heard from Barry and Deb Melican, uh, Jenny's parents who did First Nations ministry for a lot of years have shared with us, you know, Barry and Deb Melican shared about culture and spirituality of First Nations peoples. That's been really helpful. But to be honest, I didn't know what the story of residential schools in Southern Ontario has been. And so I did some research and, and once I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, I kind of had some vague awareness, but I didn't really know in terms of the closest being the, um, the Mount Elgin residential school down in Muncie, of course, located near the, uh, the Chippewa of the Thames River. And then as well, the Six Nations, there was a residential school at Six Nations near Brantford. So I, I didn't know that. I didn't know, you know, more locally speaking, how residential schools have, have played out. And uh, as, as some of you, perhaps not all of you would know as well, that, that Mennonites historically have, have been involved in residential schools. And, and, you know, they were later to the game and there were different dynamics involved. But uh, no question, running these schools where there was a sense of cultural superiority and there was, um, to a degree, you know, as I'm reading up, um, there were efforts at points to allow the children to speak in their, in their native tongue when governing officials weren't overlooking. But at the same time, definitely cultural superiority and, and uh, just a part, of the, a part of the system. So we need to confront that story as well, our attitudes and whatnot and... and um, so all of this stuff's been heavy on my heart and, and uh, someone whom I really trust, and, and most of you will know this individual, he has been with us at KZMC, is Derek Parento. Derek has served as a bridge between First Nations people and uh, settler Canadians here in Ontario. He works with Multiply and the Missions Agency and just has a real humble, gentle posture. He loves the Lord, he's committed to the gospel, wants to see everybody come to faith in Jesus, but is, is so sensitive 
and, and humble and, and in tune to on the ground with First Nations people hearing their stories and walking with them in that. And so I'm like, how, you know, thinking, how do we respond, so on and so forth. And so I, I reached out to him, texted him. I was like, Derek, like, what are you saying in the midst of all this? Is there any point at which you are offering your, uh, your voice to lead us in terms of how to know, how to, how to respond, so on and so forth. And he said, no, you know what? I, ha I haven't really spoken publicly. I, uh, to be honest, I, I haven't stepped into this at this point. Um, although he's vastly familiar with the overall story of residential schools and talks with people regularly who, who are survivors. Um, so anyway, he said, why don't, why don't we have a Zoom chat? So we had a Zoom chat. In that Zoom chat, he invited a gentleman named John Johnstone. John Johnstone is First Nations. He is a, an MB, Mennonite Brethren. Um, he works with Multiply. I don't know what he would exactly call himself, mission catalyst, or but does a lot of work with, with churches, does a lot of work with First Nations people and, and their faith and a lot of work for reconciliation as well. And so we started this call. I'd never met John before and, and uh, Derek just opens up. He's like, you know, do you want to introduce yourself, John? How does this, uh, how does this affect you? And in the first moments, I'd not met this gentleman and, and he just started crying. And uh, took, took a few minutes and uh, proceeded to share about how the story of residential schools intersected with his family, including his mother. And I'm not going to try and retell the story because I, I don't think in the, in the midst of the power of the emotion, I, I didn't get all the details and, and uh, you know, it's not my story to share. Um, but there's no question that this, this brother in the Lord, this fellow Canadian, this fellow human, made in the likeness of God, was deeply, deeply impacted and, uh, and then proceeded to express how realities in his own life stem from the experiences of his mother in the residential school. This is our story. And God has been here in the midst of this story, every step of the way, our creator, the creator of every person, the one whom we declare is perfect in love. And so what does God have to say about this? Where is God in the midst of this? And the beautiful thing, you know, as, as we proceeded in conversation, um, John proceeded to declare just a really hopeful message of reconciliation, a really hopeful way forward for First Nations people and, uh, and settler Canadians. A lot, of, a lot of hope. But we do need to acknowledge and recognize the depth of pain. So I'm gonna share a few pieces with you. I'm gonna start off by, perhaps you've seen the, the story of, we're gonna dive into some points of scripture in a few minutes, but perhaps you've seen the story of uh, why we have Orange Shirt Day. Orange Shirt Day is a, a day that is, uh, Worn. I th there's an annual day once a year, and uh, in in memory of children in the residential school, First Nations children, and people have been wearing orange shirts. And maybe if you're on social media, you'll have seen different displays. The color orange. So where does that come from? This is the story of Phyllis Webstand, and she is Northern Shuswap from the Canoe Creek Indian Band. This is her story. She says, "I went to mission for one year." went to the mission for one year in 1973-1974. I had just turned six years old. I lived with my grandmother on the Dog Creek Reserve. 
We never had very much money. But somehow my granny managed to buy me a new outfit to go to the mission school. I remember going to Robinson's store and picking out a shiny orange shirt. It had string laced up in the front and was so bright and exciting. It just felt like I had, just like I felt to be going to school, bright and exciting. When I got to the mission, they stripped me and they took away my clothes, including the orange shirt. I never wore it again. I didn't understand why they wouldn't give it back to me. It was mine. The color orange has always reminded me of that and how my feelings didn't matter. How no one cared and how I felt like I was worth nothing. All of us little children were crying and no one cared. I was 13.8 years old and in grade eight when my son Jeremy was born. Because my grandmother and mother both attended residential school for 10 years, I never knew what a parent was supposed to be like. With the help of my aunt, Agnes Jack, I was able to raise my son and have him know me as my mother. I went to a treatment center for healing when I was 27 and have been on this healing journey since then. I finally get it that the feeling of worthlessness and insignificance ingrained in me from the first day as the, at the mission affected the way that I live my life for many years. Even now, when I know that nothing can be further, th further from the truth, I still sometimes feel like I don't matter. Even with all the work that I've done, I'm honored to be able to tell my story so that others may benefit and understand and maybe other survivors will com be feel comfortable enough to share their stories. These are stories that we need to keep hearing. Yeah, and, and maybe you're thinking right now, like Ryan, like, why, like, just preach us a sermon. Don't get distracted from the gospel. This was something that happened a long time ago. We can't change it. I don't know, maybe some of you are thinking that. And I just want to say that those, those responses do not reflect the heart of God. Our creator, who in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17 said, Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. And plead the case of the widow. Plead the case of the parents whose children were ripped from their homes. Plead the case of the children who cried and no one cared. Plead the case of the people who can't forget being molested. And the only path of peace that they know is to drown those memories with substances or other things to numb what they feel so deeply. Take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. As I was talking with John Johnstone, and he's a really gracious fellow, he uh, shared this image and, and recently actually, it was about a year and a half ago where he was in a kind of a, a meeting of MB leaders from across Canada, our denomination leaders.
and he said this in the boardroom, but he shared this with me yesterday. He said, um, you know, I see people in churches and they love the Lord and they're earnest and it's good, but they stand there and they worship and they say, God, you are so great. How great is our God? Name above all names, worthy to be praised. And we stand with our arms lifted high in the air and we worship our great God and we call on God. And we say, God, bring your blessing, send your blessing down. We want to bless all people. He says, I see and I hear people worshiping and singing and calling on God for his blessing. And he said, what I also see in my mind as those people stand with their arms raised to creator God, I see them standing on the head of First Nations people. I'm not going to try and interpret that image for you, but I'll let that sit with you. As followers of Jesus stand with arms raised high in worship, calling on the blessing of God. John Johnstone sees them standing on the head of the First Nations people. John proceeded to say, I'm actually <laughs> taking a lot of what I'm, what I'm sharing this morning uh, from what I learned from, from John and Derek, but particularly John yesterday, um, where he says, our call is into relationship. Paul is in relationship. He says, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God, they brought creation into being through relationship, them working together. When Jesus went to the cross, it was in relationship with the Father. The Father sent him. The Holy Spirit guided him. The empowerment of the Spirit rose Jesus from the dead. They were in relationship. They are in relationship in all that they do. And so what John says, if we, as if all people are created in the image of God, if all people are created in his likeness to be like God, then we are called to be a people in relationship. The only way that love can be expressed is in relationship. And John went on to say, he said he wants to get t-shirts made up that say this. He said, cheeseburger love won't cut it. The kind of love that we say when we get a perfectly grilled cheeseburger, throw some bacon on it, on our barbecue, and we stand back and say, oh man, I love a good cheeseburger. He's like, that's not the kind of love that will cut it. It's self-giving, sacrificial love. Being in relationship with self-giving, sacrificial love. And, and I, you know, I don't know, like I feel in sharing this with you, like what right do I have to say this? I don't know what that looks like. I feel inadequate, but at least we need to ponder this and consider how God is inviting us to move into self-giving sacrificial love to be in relationship. There's uh, the lodge. Sorry, one second. Let me get this. Let me get this straight. There's a problem when I, when I go off the cuff and I leave my place in my notes. The lodgepole pine is a tree that is utterly dependent on forest fires in order to regenerate in the forest. So there's a resin that coats the cone of a lodgepole pine. And that resin can only be broken, it can only be cracked, it can only be or melted away by the intense heat of a forest fire. And when that forest fire burns away the resin, that new seed can emerge to give new life only through the intense trying heat of a forest fire. 
And John shared this image with me and he said, I wonder if that's what we need, if that's what we, for there, we, we want to see reconciliation. We want to see hope. We want to see healing in our land. We want to see understanding of one another. We want to see the goodness of God pour forward among all people. But maybe what we need to do, you know, he said we want microwave answers. We want to just say, we'll post a few things on social media, have a TRC, the Truth and Reconciliation Commitment, and move along and think things are fixed. And, and what he is saying is, it doesn't work that way. We need to enter into the pain of that fire together to feel the pain. And, and really, this ties closely, as, as John also pointed out. I'm stealing my whole sermon for what John said yesterday. He, uh, he pointed to John. Let me pull it up here. John chapter 12, and this is Jesus predicting his, his crucifixion. He says, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it. I'm going to start over. My apologies. I'm scattered this morning. I missed a section. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Perhaps God is inviting us into a death of sorts, into a, a laying down our cross, joining together in, in this, this death, this agony, this pain, that our First Nations are experiencing. And I mean, you see it in the, well, just the mention of how does this impact you? And this gentleman weeps in front of a stranger. There's clearly an experience of death and pain. And the way of Jesus is to enter into pain so that life would come. That death, a death to our need for power and authority and control, a death to... Um, ourselves leads to life the fullness of life to healing this is this was the model of jesus he in even when he came to earth he walked with people entered into their sorrow saw them face to face in their pain brought goodness and peace but walked with them then was in the grave for three days before resurrection came maybe this is an image for us in this time The thing that struck me most from my conversation with John were his words that said, we speaking personally and on behalf of, I, I, I guess, the uh, First Nations people, he says, we are in a deep, deep pit. Don't just lend us a hand and try to pull us out of that deep pit. But come and join us there that we may lament together so that we may emerge from the pit together. I'm going to say that again. We are in a deep, deep pit. Don't just lend us a hand to try and pull us out of that pit. Rather, come and join us to lament together so that we may emerge together. Sounds a little bit like what Jesus did when he came to walk, live and walk among us.
John and Derek spoke with great hope. They said one day Canada is going to emerge from this. First Nations people will emerge from this. There will be healing. There is hope ahead. They spoke very hopefully. They spoke about an unleashing of the goodness of God as the, the good news of Creator coming to live among us and setting us free from our sins through His death and resurrection. They spoke about that, that truth being unleashed within the cultures of Canada. With great hope, expectation. They're like, this is going to happen someday. But it's going to require us entering into that painful process of death, acknowledgement, lamenting together so that we can be free from our sins. You may remember last week, it was in our Zoom gathering. So if you weren't with us in our Zoom gathering, you won't remember this, but talked about the seven generations. It's a First Nations teaching akin to the Christian teaching of the sins of the fathers being visited upon their children and their children's children. Um, healing takes time for hearts to be reformed, for trust to be regained, so on and so forth. So what, what does this all look like? I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. I have a few ideas rumbling around in my head, but I don't know. I invite you to, to continue reading, hearing stories, and as you hear them, don't just keep scrolling, but pause and pray and reflect. Pause and pray and reflect. Ask God to lead you in this. You know, I pass along a number of articles and I invite you to read them, some of them connected in with our Mennonite history. I've got a documentary I came across produced by, um, by folks from survivors of the Mount Elgin Residential School that is in our weekend reminder watch it i to be honest i haven't watched it yet i haven't had time i just came across it yesterday i intend to watch it this weekend but watch it It was produced in the early 2000s um, but telling their story of the residential school that is closest to us watch that when the opportunity arises move forward in friendship one of the things again this is all off the cuff like i i was working on a sermon yesterday and i felt god last night in particular being like no you got to go this direction with the message so a lot of this is off the cuff i confess that to you um so i haven't put a lot of thought into it but i've wondered what would it look like for a number of us to go and and depending on as we're as we're able in the weeks ahead to drive to the mount elgin residential school site and just stand there at the edge of the property or whatever that looks like and just listen and pray and come in with fasting one of the things that derek parento said is that god cares deeply about this so god has something to say about it he has something to say to us about these realities, but we have not been listening. And so Derek said, if you go and you come with an open heart and just listen, pray, lament, God is going to say something to you. So that's something, keep your eyes out, ears out for that. That's something that we might initiate. Um, yeah. When you're in situations where people around you speak dismissive words about First Nations people, one of the ways is to speak up on behalf of First Nations people. And I can think of in the last couple of years situations I've been in where people say things that are rude and derogatory. Do I have the courage, do I have the commitment to what is right and just, or am I more concerned with preserving my comfort in that moment to speak up and say, hold on, that's not right. These are people made in the image of God whom we've hurt, harmed, and are walking in the light of much trauma. 
So that's also something to consider. I'm sure that you have many ideas. I feel very inadequate in what I'm proposing right now. But I invite you to pray with me. I'm going to pray Daniel 9, 18 to 19. Derek Parento led us in this prayer when he was with us a year and a half ago, November of 2020. 2019, November of 2019. So I invite you to pray these prayers. And then I'm also going to lead into the prayer of lament by Maggie McLeod. Uh, this is a prayer also that I shared in our Zoom gathering last week, but just to pray it together again. She is the daughter of, of a, a residential school survivor. So starting first with the words of Daniel, this is a prayer of acknowledgement and, uh, and repentance. Starting 9 verses 4 to 6, they say, We have sinned. Daniel was praying this on behalf of the people. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and your laws. We've not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of God. In verse 17 to 19. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. See the desolation of this land of Turtle Island of Canada, the First Nations. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, our God, do not delay because your people bear your name. And now to pray this prayer written by Maggie McLeod. Oh God, we come before you with pain in our hearts as we remember the children of Indian residential schools. We remember how they were plucked from their homes by a system of arrogance that denied a good way of life. Their tears, their hunger, their loneliness, and their fear is not forgotten. The shame that was taught lingers yet. The pain that was inflicted on their bodies remains. God, we remember the parents, the aunties, the uncles, the grandmas, and the grandpas left to grieve the empty places in their homes and in their communities. Mothers were left with tear-stained aprons. Fathers suffered in unyielding silence. How was it that they were expected to carry on, having lost their joy and their purpose? And how was it that in their community that they could continue to come together to celebrate life and move together toward a bright future when their future was gone? How long will it take to strengthen family homes and spirits? How long will it take to heal the memories who must we be and what must we do to restore integrity and dignity to your world? God of all transformation, in our lament we cry out to you. God of all healing power in our life, we call on your name. God of all life, in our hope, we come before you in humble prayer. We pray that all your children may once again sing and dance the songs planted in their hearts since time immemorial. We pray that in their play and in their learning, they may be strengthened in wisdom and truth. May they carry the knowledge of their ancestors. Those ways of life that brought abundance and joy 
to this pilgrimage on earth. We pray for children's health and wholeness. May they reconnect with your unending love that they may once again know who they are, their giftedness and their value. We remember those children who have found their home in you. We acknowledge those who left this earth having heard no words of apology or lament. We are grateful that you hold these ones close. May they find you in the peace and the rest that eluded them on this earth. We pray for parents and extended family too. Release them, God, from their feeling of guilt and burden. Help them to express their grief. May their homes once again ring out with laughter and hope. May communities reflect the joy of family life once again. May young and old come together to work toward reclaiming and renewing minds, bodies, emotions, and spirits. And finally, we pray that one day this world, your world, will be a place where children are no longer harmed and will never be removed from their mother's embrace or a father's helping hand. We pray this in the name of Jesus, your Son, who showed us a way to your kingdom come on earth. And so, God, we ask, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would guide us in this. Form our hearts. Forgive us. Heal our land. Transform our minds. And we ask that you would lead us into the depths of that pit. Lead us through the fire with our First Nations sisters and brothers. That we would join them in the pain that has been inflicted. So that your healing may come, O oh God. We place our trust in you, our creator. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. We'll be together on Zoom Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And uh, yeah, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for uh, kind of cruising along with me here in this rather off the cuff, um, sort of scattered message. I trust that God is speaking and guiding. Talk to you later.